Boston Sports Syndicate. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Boston Sports Syndicate Fire the Muskets podcast. This is the Syndicate's podcast dedicated solely to the New England Patriots and the NFL. I'm Bill Travers. Thank you for joining us. And, boy, do we have a lot to talk about again today. And joining me, because we have so much to talk about, is our usual crew for Fire the Muskets, our senior Patriots writer and Celtics writer, Derek McVeigh. How's it going, Derek? Going all right. How are you? Doing good. Uh, also, our regular Fire the Muskets cohort, Syndicate brand manager and Mr. James Cam himself, James Collard. James, how are you doing? I'm good. Uh, I'm all right. I'm not good. I'm all Wh- right. Which, you're, you're just all right? I'm just all right. Okay. Yeah. All uh, right. Anything in particular bringing you down? I think I know what it might be. I get so hyped for the draft, and then I get so disappointed. In the end. Oh, okay. But we can hold it. No, that's what we're all here to talk about. So, with all the news we have to talk about for the Patriots, once again, we had to bring back uh, two of our other cohorts from the syndicate our Red Sox and occasional Patriots and Celtics and just a mad writing uh, fiend, the great blogino, Chris Henrik. Chris, how are you doing? Good, guys. How are you doing today? Doing well. How are you? Uh, how's your summer vacation going? You know, we're uh, going into week three of uh, my furlough life. Um, we're we're mixing weird cocktails together, playing around with Snapchat filters. It's uh, yeah, it's getting old. My furlough life. That sounds like a syndicate uh, YouTube <laughs> show. That's well, it. It's happening. Your personal loss is a syndicate's game because you've been writing stories like crazy. So, we'll take it. And uh, last but certainly not least is the Cindertaker himself, Matty D. Matt, how's it going? What's going on, everybody? Whoa, back that off just a whoa, little bit. Whoa, back up. <laughs> How about this? That's good. That's good. All right, all right. Love the energy. <laughs> oh, you know I'm bringing the energy, always. <laughs> so uh, I'm dubbing this the Fire the Muskets Above the Parquet podcast to be named later because we've got all three of our podcasts kind of melded in here. And uh, hats off to you guys on the Above the Parquet, which debuted recently. Very nice job. So we're going to make this a conglomerate effort today. Sounds good. All right. So uh, obviously we have the NFL draft, which is looming out there for us to talk about. But there's a few other Patriots-related news uh, that we wanted to hit on before we got into the draft. And maybe not the biggest news, but uh, certainly sparked a lot of controversy was new Patriots uniforms were... uh, debuted earlier this week on Patriots Day, and it certainly sparked a lot of conversation in our syndicates group chat. So uh, we put up a poll on whether people like the uniforms or not, and I'm going to turn it over to you, James, for the results. So, yeah, the the great debate of do we like the uniforms, yes, yay or nay. And we brought it to our syndicate nation, and 58% says yay. They like the uniforms. 42% says nay. How many times did you vote, James? I only voted on one, and that was our Twitter poll. 
Any comments? Do we get any comments along with those, or just votes? Uh, just vote. Um, on Instagram, we got someone put flames. So if I'm speaking the modern kid lingo, it it that's good. So, but yeah, that's all. That's all we got. So we James, share the flames, don't we? Burn the jerseys. <laughs> no, 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 no. I I looked I looked to my brother and asked him what does this mean, and he goes. It means he likes it. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. All right, so the big question, James, that we always use you use you as the focus group, did you like them? Yes. So the home jerseys are just the Color Rush jerseys. They're alternate uniforms that have been yep. now upgraded to their permanent home uniforms. So yep, really not primary home. Right. And I think we all like those as the Color Rush. I, I don't think I heard anybody who didn't like them. I think a lot of people wanted them to be boosted up to be their regular uniform. Yep. I I was, every year, I kept on saying, these need to be our primary homes. I love them so much. Well, I guess they finally listened. So they made them the primary homes. And then they did a, they kept the blue pants. And they added a white variant version of it. Which... I have no problem with. Yeah, I'll have to say I'm um, meh. Not so much on the white jersey, but the blue pants with them. I think I might have looked better mm-hmm. with just the white pants. How about you other guys? What are, what are your takes on the new uniforms? Uh, at first, I got—I won't lie, I was pretty upset because I wasn't really a big fan, but I've kind of seen them more and more. I'm starting to really dig the whites. I think if I were to get a Patriot jersey, I'd get a white jersey. And, you know, I am in the market for a jersey because I currently have two, and they are Gronk and Brady. So, so you're I'm in the market gonna for need, new jerseys. Yeah, I'm going to need a new Patriots jersey, and I'm thinking I'm going to go with the white. And I I think after just kind of stewing with my thoughts, I think it came down. The reason why I didn't like them is because they just weren't what I wanted. But that doesn't mean they're not nice. I do think they're pretty nice, but at the end it just wasn't exactly what I wanted. Which was? A little bit more, a little extra, maybe a little bit more red in the jersey, kind of a little pay homage to the 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 old way, the old jersey or a white helmet. Uh, I also agree with you, Bill, that all white would look clean. Maybe they still do something like that. I don't know. Uh, but I guess we'll just have to wait and see with the NFL release, changing the helmet rule and allowing teams to have multiple helmets next year, I think it is. Uh, yeah. I, I, overall, I give it a, like you said, Bill, meh. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I was surprised they only came out with the two because all the other teams that have come out with u- new uniforms this year, seems like they all have like three, four, five. What, what do the Chargers have, like six different combinations for their new uniforms? Yep. Yeah, they got six. Uh, Atlanta has four. Uh, Cleveland has four. And, yeah, that's, that's pretty much uh Rams still haven't announced theirs yet. Colts have only two. The Colts have new uniforms? Yep, Colts modified to their, um, kind of like their, they added an alternate logo, which is basically the state of Indiana, but shaped as a C, with the horseshoe, like, inlets. Um, and they changed their font into kind of like that Western-style font the Cowboys used to use on their throwbacks but now the Colts use it. 
I'm surprised they've had the same uniforms basically forever, as long as I can remember. Yeah, yeah it's just the same uniform. It's just different font. Little and, tweaks? Yeah, just sub, sub subtle tweaks. So I def- think that's going to be my rap name going forward, Little Tweaks. Little Tweaks? <laughs> little Tweaks. So, uh, Derek and James, any thoughts on the uniforms? Uh, I mean, I'm kind of indifferent. I don't care either way. Um, the the one thing I like felt not strongly about, I had an opinion about, are the with the white jerseys. I think the stripes on the shoulders are kind of weird. I think I'd like them better without the the little stripes. But I haven't. The last jersey I bought was Gerard Mayo, so I'm not wearing them. So it doesn't really matter to me. Chris, you know the. Uh... <clears throat> Patriots had an opportunity here with these jerseys where you have Tom Brady who leaves the organization. You could start something, start anew, start fresh, start brand new. Come out with, and to react to you guys' point, the white on the blue would have been so much better if it was white on white. That would have been a nice fresh look. It would have been, it would have been different. Um, the helmets, you know, with them being gray, and I understand why they can't change them right now. Um, changing up the helmet would have gone, you know, I think a long way with the with the uniforms. Uh, I like the white. I like the white a lot. I think it's it's a clean look. It's different. Um, I don't mind the stripes on the shoulders, to be honest with you. Um, again, it's different. It, it's it's not what we're used to. Um, I think a lot of the fans are struggling with it because New England fans don't do well with change. So uh, personally, I don't mind. I don't mind the white. I think the blue is, you know, it's what we've been seeing the last couple of years. I think there's a lot of blue in general. And I w- again, I wouldn't have mind a white on white, uh, with, but with the gray helmet, you know, hopefully they can change that rule up and, and it can be different in the future. Maybe we can get the old Patriot style logo or, or even like a full red uniform. But um, I thought this was an opportunity where they could, where they could start something new post Brady, you know, and, and I think they tried, but you know, it, I don't know. It kind of looks like kind of runs of the Browns uniforms with the Patriots logo. Well, I think the uniform change was in the works long before the Brady thing came down because they can't change that quickly. There's usually a couple of years of development that goes into those things. I I think they have to petition the league to change the uniforms and get approval. So I think I think it coincided with Brady leaving, but I don't think there was a direct correlation there that they're changing the uniforms because it's a new era. You know, as, as nice as that might sound, I don't think they were able to do that. But I, I think that it's going to come down to winning. If they can win, then people are going to like these jerseys. If they're not winning, jerseys are probably going to be one of the scapegoats that goes into it. Yep. And they could add the white pants. Adding different color pants is easier in the league than changing a full uniform. Um, the Ravens, that one season, added uh, gold pants and they only lasted one season, thank God. But adding paint, uh, like an all-white pant or just a white with the blue stripes could be added. So they could go Stormtrooper look. So, but I think it'd be a, I think it'd be a clean look. It'd be it'd be fresh looking. It would be nice. It'd be it'd just be different. They uh, uh, what that uh, was it last year? I not last season, but the season before that. They went with the all-white color rush in a Thursday night game in Tampa Bay. Correct. Yeah, they added the white pants. They kept the white uniform and just added the white pants. And it was cool. It's just the, the 
the side stripe on the jersey and the stripes on the pants did not match. So it looked kind of weird. All right, enough uniform talk. Let's uh, let's move on to the Gronk trade. So this week the news came down that all of a sudden Gronk was ready to come out of retirement after saying he had had enough of football, took a year off, and now all of a sudden he wants to come back and go play with Brady in Tampa Bay. And the Patriots accommodated him and traded him for a fourth-round pick, was it? Yeah, yeah, they traded Gronk in the seventh round for a fourth-round pick. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Not so much what they got for a trade, but just the whole the whole thing in general. How did that sit with you guys? Because I, I think it rubbed a lot of Patriots fans the wrong way. I understand. I understood it. I mean, Gronk, he didn't seem happy with the way Belichick was running the show even before he retired. Uh, so he had his chance to go play with Brady somewhere else, and he took it. And as as far as the Patriots trading him, I think it was a no-brainer trade for them. He wanted out. He was only going to play with Brady. So when he retired, he retired because he was going to get traded to Detroit, uh, I think, the season before he retired. And he was like, well, I'll just retire then. So all he wanted to do was play for Brady. That's fine. Thank you for whatever you did, for what you did for us. My only problem is what the return was. I think it could have been a little bit higher, but it happened. Why do you think? Where did you help? Yeah, how, why do you think it would have been more? Right. How do you think they would have gone more than the fourth? They gave away Gronk and a seventh for just a fourth. Right, but they were negotiating with one out of 32 teams. It's tough to yeah. get more out of a team when they have all the leverage. And the Patriots could not have traded them then. I think they were trying to get more, and just to save a PR move, they ended up trading them for just dirt change which they ended up trading in the draft pack and the, the one of the draft trades. So, yeah, but don't. So my initial reaction, I was a little, I was a little upset with the return and it was just my, it was, you know, me being a Patriots fan knee jerk reaction. Um, I didn't really put much thought into it until got a little more of the facts and kind of took, you know, five or 10 minutes to think about it. The Patriots, they didn't have any leverage, James. They had no leverage at all. If if Gronk comes back and Belichick digs his heels in and he says, nope, not going to trade you. You're not going to go play with Brady. I'm going to go ahead and trade you to the team that I can get the best return for. He files his papers, and now $9.25 million is on your salary cap. They don't have the cap space to accommodate Gronkowski. And on top of that, he threatened to retire one time before when you were going to trade him to the Lions. What's to stop him from – you know, putting up a bigger stink for another trade. You got a fourth round pick, which is for essentially an asset that was dead, that was doing nothing for you. I think it's it's a distraction that they, they can they can get away from. They don't have to worry about the Gronkowski piece any longer. And now they can just move on. You know, if they had more cap space, they have more leverage, but they I, I just I don't think they had I don't think that they had the leverage that we want them to have. And I think that if we're thinking they could have gotten a first or a second round pick, we're overrating Gronkowski. The guy's been out of football for a year. Yeah, you're, I think yeah. you're exactly right, Chris. Not only has he been out of football for a year, do you remember the Gronk that played the last year he played? That was not Gronk in right. his prime. That was a shell of his former self. So it's not like you were trading Gronk in his prime and only getting a fourth when you think you, you could have gotten maybe two first round picks for him. 
That was not the same player that we saw throughout most of his career. And taking a year off is is not going. I don't think it's going to help that very much. No, the I mean the only the most recent trade that is similar to Gronk was Marshawn Lynch when he came back, and all the Raiders, I mean all the Seahawks got for him was a a move up in the fifth round. They had to take a fifth round pick and Lynch to just move up in the fifth. So there really isn't precedent to getting you know a, a huge package from a guy who stepped away from football and is at the end of his career. Derek, you have any thoughts on the matter? Yeah, I think it, it's people were so like emotional about the reaction because of the name, right? And you know, it's you're just kind of getting over the the Brady leaving and that wound's starting to heal, and then here comes Gronk to to reopen that. So I think people are still so attached to Gronk, but when you look, I mean, he's his career in New England was done. Like this trade, it doesn't hurt them because it's not affecting their like on-field performance. If anything, you know, they're getting a player and potentially it's going to make the team better because you're getting a player for nothing. Like you're not losing someone who is going to contribute to your team next year. Um, so, I mean, you got, look, yes, maybe a couple of years ago, Gronk was obviously worth a lot more than a, a fourth round pick, but you're right. He's not the same guy. You got something for him. Who knows if what you got for him is going to work out. You know, you, they turned that into a, a tight end from UCLA. So we'll see how he turns out. Um, but I mean, Gronk was already, you know, dead and gone from the Patriots. So they, they got something for him and that's, that's kind of where I'm at. James, I think we outnumber you on this one. That's fine. I like being a minority. <laughs> you should be used to it by now. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my everyday life. <laughs> no, I meant when it comes to us, not being in agreement with us. Yeah, no, I know. Yeah, and you know what? The other thing, too, that kind of bo bothers me, too, and since we're on the topic of Gronkowski, you know, this guy quit on the Patriots. He quit on the Patriots because he didn't want to play for Bill Belichick anymore. I, I don't want to hear, oh, I was banged up and I have the concussions and I have liquid in my head. No, the, the theatrics and the antics of Rob Gronkowski off the field, shaking his butt, WrestleMania, 24-7 champion, like, it's done. It's over with. It's it's time to move on. And people are, you know, they're upset because of a return for Gronk. Where were these people when he quit on the Patriots, when he didn't allow the Patriots to plan better from a tight end perspective and waited ultimately really for the most part until the last second to announce he was going to retire? I, you know, I just I'm done with the Gronk piece. I will forever be thankful for what he did on the field. I, you know, he was one of the best tight ends, obviously, to ever play the game. And the fact that we got to see him in New England playing for the Patriots is, you know, something that we shouldn't take for granted. But the dude quit on this team. And then now Brady goes somewhere else and he wants to play again. And I don't care if Brady would have came back. This guy wasn't coming back. Rob Gronkowski was upset because he could no longer be what he wanted to be and play for Bill Belichick. So grab your fourth, continue to retool this team, and move on. I've moved on. I'm good. I have to get that out. Yeah, and I think to that point, Chris, uh, you know, you, you talk about have them, the Patriots really not really having any leverage. They also had no time. The draft was only a couple days away. So if they wanted to get a 2020 draft pick, they had to act fast. And I think on top of all those things, if you let a guy like Gronk comes in who has kind of shown his 
displeasure with the way Bill does things. Bill needs to be the guy right now. There's no Brady. It's time for a whole new era. If you have someone from the old era maybe talking bad about the coach or not buying in completely, that could set them back tremendously. So no leverage, no time, no patience. You know, I think they got a pretty good return for a professional wrestler. (laughs) Yeah, when you talk about, you know, Gronk quit on the team, he didn't just quit on the team. He kind of screwed the team last year by waiting so long to decide to retire. That caught them unprepared. They could have went out and got Jared Cook. Jared Cook in that offense last season, I mean, just think of what, from a, from an offensive standpoint, what that would have been like. Instead, you know, Ben Watson's corpse was out there after he was done being suspended. You know, um, you had Matt Lacoste, who he was ineffective. You had Ryan Izzo, who was ineffective. They had nothing from a tight end standpoint to go out there. They could have if, – if Gronk would have said, hey, look, I'm not going to play – they could have spent the money. They were interested in Cook. Cook seemed to be interested in them. and said he went to he went to New Orleans. It would have been a better option than what they threw out there the last, from, for last season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I could, absolutely I agree. agree. Any more thoughts on the Gronk trade? Yeah, I think we covered it all. I just want to, you know, James mentioned it. Chris mentioned it. He was great here. He was one of the most fun players to watch. I mean, one of my favorite highlights of all time is throwing the man out the club. And, you know, I thank him for that. It was great, but it's time to move on. All right, I guess it's time to move on. All right, let's get to the draft. And before we get to who the Patriots drafted, I want to talk a little bit about the virtual draft itself. Obviously, they couldn't all get together in a big auditorium and do the draft like they usually do and have the players in the green room and then come up on stage and get the hug from Goodell. Very, very different this year in in the times we're living in now. But I don't really know if it made that much of a difference as far as the draft goes. I think ESPN and, and ABC and the NFL Network did a really good job of presenting it, given the challenges that they had. Uh, and it was kind of kind of interesting to see some of the players in their homes just sitting there waiting. I mean, it, it, you know, you had uh, some players dropping and you know wondering when they were going to get picked, so you still had that drama that you usually have every year. But overall, I didn't think it was too too bad. What did you guys think? Yeah, I thought it was great. I enjoyed it. Um, like you said, Bill, not only would get to see the players in their homes, we get to see all the coaches and like GMs and you know uh, front office people and their setups in their homes. Uh, you know, a lot of them with their families, with their kids. I just thought it was a a unique perspective um, that you don't get to see very often. And I thought everything pretty much ran smoothly. Like it didn't seem like there were any hitches or hiccups along the way. Um, I think Goodell is a little bit of a a goon, but it was kind of entertaining. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. I thought they did a really good job. Yeah, I got a few. Yeah, Goodell's such a goofball. <laughs> yeah. He's he, has anyone tried to be liked so much? Like, lean, like the, the everybody, come on, yeah. give it to me right before. It's just it was it was too much. Come on, let <sighs> let me hear you, Packers fans. Come on. Oh yeah, that was totally. As they lame. cannot hear him, they're just in front of a screen, like just blindly just making noise and he's like i didn't hear you top left corner and they're like i don't know what he said that was already pre-recorded they would like you had to like record it and put it in a hashtag right uh, on uh bud light that was through bud light itself and you knew he was trying to lead like vikings fans through the skull chant it was just he just looked like such a, a moron but i give him credit i mean that's i'm sure it's got to be a difficult thing to 
to host that draft. You saw he was losing steam by the end of the third round, just kind of sitting back in his chair and putting his feet up. Well, the dude is like almost 70 years old, isn't he? Right. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, you've known Tua Tagovailoa was going to be drafted long before that night, and you still pronounced his name wrong. I mean, is it that hard to, <laughs> to get a pronunciation? He did the same thing with Marcus Mariota a couple of years ago when he was drafted. Yeah. He butchered his name, too, the number two pick in the draft. Butch's name wrong. I mean, is it really that hard? One thing I thought was really cool, did you see the setup that uh, Jerry Jones had where he was picking on from the yacht? on his yacht? Is that not obscene? I mean, that's so Jerry Jones. Is that not that, those Jerry Jones things you could have done? I figured it was like that the was video his... room in his mansion. No, he was on his yacht. And that was probably his best draft in years. He should be oh. drafting on that yacht. And conducting free agency and and just running the organization from that, they probably won four more Super Bowls if he was doing everything from the yacht. I think but that no, puts was... the uh, they answered the question too. Uh, he he had told his entire scouting direct like department to to leave him alone. So I guess the problems with their drafts have been uh, with the scouting department and not Jerry Jones on the boat. And all this time we thought Jones was the problem with that team. No, he is. I just need some peace and quiet out in the uh, the deep blue sea there. Yeah, I wonder where he was. Was he out out in the Caribbean I, somewhere or? No, I guarantee he was in his driveway. In a boat? Yep. In his driveway. In a yacht? No, you Did you, you see that you boat? Yeah. That's not in anybody's driveway. In <laughs> Although everything is bigger in Texas, so something like that maybe would fit in somebody's driveway in Texas. I don't know. Maybe that's like his version of Bessie, uh, Bessie's bathroom breaks. Oh, jeez. <laughs> Great series. You know what, James? You might have a point, though. It might not be technically in his backyard, but he may just have a huge body of uh, of water in his backyard near his mansion. So maybe he was, like, docked right outside his, his if backyard. In, if he lives in Cor- Cor- uh, Corpus Christi, there's a bunch of man-made beaches. So it could be there. I don't know about that. Boats like that are usually in the ocean. But what do I know? I don't have one. I don't even have a small boat, so but I, I guess I don't know that much about boats. I, I drive down to the this? Cape Cod Canal, and I see things like that come through the canal. That's that's my extent of knowledge of yachts. What about Cliff Kingsbury's house? That was a pretty oh, you nice mean Ryan setup. Gosling? That was legit insane looking. It was so funny to see it just set up like that. Like, if you would have put Kingsbury set up next to Belichick set up, you would think Kingsbury had the eight rings and all the prestige, not the guy yep. who was sitting on a horrible checkered table in Nantucket. Well, I mean, Nantucket's super expensive, but if you would have just looked at the inside, you would have not known where he was. Yeah, he could have been in my kitchen for all that was what it looked like. <laughs> he had two laptops and no cares. And a beautiful husky puppy who absolutely stole the whole draft. You guys Who would have thought Belichick had such a cute dog? Something I have in common with him. I used to have a husky like that. And you know that huskies are nice. Huskies are nice, but that's the perfect temperament for Belichick because they're aloof dogs. They don't really like to be around people. They don't really, you know, they're not like the kind of dog that'll come up and cuddle with you, you know. And then they'll just they're just as happy just wandering off by themselves. So I think personality-wise, that probably fits Belichick very well. <clears throat> that's just how the commands he gives his dogs. He just grunts and they sit. He grunts. He goes, gets the. He fetches the ball. <clears throat> so you know, maybe maybe it was the dog who actually made that first pick. So why don't we start talking about the Patriots picks? Uh, I think that's a good segue. Yeah. 
So did anybody else have any clue who the Patriots took with their first pick? And let me just go back on that a little bit. They did it to us once again, made us stay up till almost 11 o'clock at night, and then traded out of the first round. So thank you very much, Bill. You did it to me again. You suckered me in. So they finally do draft on the on uh, Friday um, and actually yep. moved up in the second round. Did they move up or did they keep their pick? That was the pick that no, they had that from the That was the pick the they had from, from the trade with the Chargers from the night before. That's right. Yeah. Uh, so technically, I guess they moved up. Moved up in the second round. So uh, had anybody else heard of this guy? What was his name? I, I even forgot his name. Kyle Duggar. Kyle Duggar. From Lenore Rhine. Anybody heard of him or that school? Does anybody even know where that school no. is? No. Uh, Lenore or Rhine? Is it, I don't know. Is that like a combined school? Is that like like a school system sure. that comes together and forms? I mean, where is this school? <laughs> Actually, it's in. I believe it's in North Carolina, uh, South Carolina. Okay. No, I North had never Carolina. heard of Duggar. I never heard of Duggar when the draft selection was made. But after, obviously, I did my research and went back. He was projected to go anywhere from the late second to the middle of third. He was one of the top five safeties in the draft. Uh, so they may have reached, but it wasn't a, like an egregious reach. And so, I, I, you know, to answer your question, I didn't know who he was, but I found out who he was. Um, Lenorai is in Hickory, North Carolina. Oh, North Carolina. Okay. It's all the same, North Carolina, South Carolina. It's in the United States, I can guarantee you that. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, um, according to CBS Sports, he's uh, graded A, so it was a smart move by Belichick to grab him, or Nike. I still don't know who made the pick. I think Nike made the pick. I'm, uh, that's what I'm going Good with. Good dog. Yeah, because Doug does sound like a dog name, so Nike might have been, ooh, Doug. <laughs> I press accept. going to so. go dig a bone. Seriously, <laughs> no. <laughs> So, Duggar could be Nike's favorite player. It, it's it's going to be uh going to be fun to see this season. So what do we think? The kid. What do we think, Bill? Do we think this was just Bill outsmarting everybody else, or did he outsmart himself with this one? Because there were still some decent names on the board when he made this pick. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah, there was decent players. I, you know, the the one theme throughout the draft and I, and and when we were we were texting through the draft I think Matt hit it home every time it's versatility and this this kid definitely is going to give them versatility um he's kind of like you know again going back and doing research and, and reading on him I mean, he was kind of like a freak you know he um the only school in the country that gave him an opportunity to play NCAA football was this um Lenore Ryan University so he played against, yeah, Division II talent. Made the best of, made the best of that. He was invited to the combine. Was you know one of the more impressive safeties at the combine. You know, my only concern is, you know, is he a special teams player or is he a guy that's going to come in play special teams for the first year, or is he someone that can come in, learn the system, and then be a replacement for some of those aging safeties that's on the roster. I think that's exactly what he is, is he's going to be a, a depth piece. And if you heard Nick Casario get interviewed, he said that about all the draft picks. Basically is they're going to have their chance on special teams. 
It doesn't sound like any mm-hmm. of these guys, with the exception of maybe the tight ends that were drafted, are going to come in and have a significant amount of playing time outside of special teams. You know, and, and think about, too, the la- remember the last time the Patriots drafted a defensive back that we were kind of like, huh, who's this? It was Devin McCourty out of Rutgers, and everybody was like, who's this guy? Wait, what was he picked towards the end of the first round? And he's going to, at the very least, be a Patriots Hall of Famer. He's, he's, you know, still, you know, he's probably not a top five safety anymore in his position due to his age. But I, I think that, you know, he definitely outplayed what the expectations were for him coming to New England. Yeah, So, but for every one of him, you've got a Razai Dowling or a Cyrus Jones, who are also second-round picks, and probably a ton of other which, guys whose names are, are escaping me right now. Which is true, and, and that's why, you know, I, and Matt was just kind of commenting on where he was graded between the second and third round. You know, was this guy, did they did they reach on him? Probably, maybe, you know, they probably could have went with somebody else towards the upper half of the second round and then traded back in if they, if they really wanted this player. But, you know, at the end of the day, you know, if you really like a player, you know, who cares? Go out, get the player. The Giants did that with Daniel Jones last year. Daniel Jones had no business being picked in the top 10. The Giants went, got their quarterback. They got the player they liked. The Patriots doing the same thing. You know, a a versatile player. He's a freak. He's fast. He's explosive on defense. He might be able to punt return for them. Um, And you know how Belichick loves special teams. It's near and dear to his heart. You know, if, if this kid can impress there and then grow into an everyday player, you know, to maximize the value at, for the second round pick, then I think people are going to be happy. But it's New England and it's hard to please people because, you know, we're not very good with adapting to change. Yeah, and I think a lot of Duggar's bad rap comes from the school that he went to. You hear a D2, you know, senior, I think he's a little bit older also, uh, you immediately think it's a reach. You know, before you look into his attributes, his size, his strength, what he brings to the table, you immediately think it was a reach because uh, he went to a D2 school. Uh, But apparently he was at the Senior Bowl, and Bill was at the Senior Bowl this year, and the kid looked great. He was all over the place. He was making tackles. He was he was able to stuff the run. Um, I mean, he's a big kid. He looks pretty strong. Uh, He's versatile. We've we've said that, and I'm sure we're going to say that word at least 17 more times in this podcast, talking about their draft. but yeah, I think a lot of his bad rap comes from the school he went to, but the player himself seems like he's got some he's got some skills. Yeah, this is why I think it's like leading up to the draft, it's just so it's such a waste of time to try and predict what the Patriots are gonna do because no one can get inside the mind of Bill Belichick. No one has any idea what they're thinking or who they're targeting. I mean, all the mock drafts I looked at, um, and maybe there was one out there that had it. I don't think anyone predicted the Patriots would take this kid um you know in the second round um and you know matt hit the matt just mentioned it i heard i think it was chris gaspar talking about it that he was at the senior bowl and impressed and bill was at the senior bowl which is uncommon for him because normally the patriots are you know going to the super bowl but this year had the early playoff exit so he was able to go to the senior bowl um, and saw this kid and you know saw how he did against some you know elite competition Um, so i'm sure that put things in his favor um, but the big thing is with me, I mean, he's, he's athletic and their defense and that side of the ball needs more versatility and more athleticism. Um, so it's just, uh, you gotta kind of got to wait and see what he's going to turn into. You need, you need to get younger, especially at the safety position. So maybe they took him earlier than necessary, but 
until you see him play. Who, who really knows? Yeah, you're right. They definitely need to get younger at safety because both McCourty and Chung are 33. I think Chung still has that cocaine possession charge hanging over him. Um, I think he was supposed to go to trial in March. I don't know if it ever happened. I didn't hear about it, Neil. That was about when everything in the country started shutting down anyway, so that's probably been postponed too. So he's probably a little a little bit of uncertainty tied to his status as well. Um, but, you know, we keep saying the word versatility. I think versatility also goes with not having a defined position. And a lot of the guys that were drafted – don't you know? And maybe this is a trend in the NFL that you kind of see, especially on defenses. You know, maybe somebody's a little bit undersized for a linebacker, but a little bit too big for a safety. So, yeah, I think some of their other picks, like Uche from Michigan, I think falls into that category. Um, and you know, he's another one that he was the uh, the other second round pick that they had. He falls into that same category of not really having a defined position, but he's a high motor guy and all these other accolades that you hear about these players um but that just seems to be another theme to me to this draft too is just guys who don't seem to have that set position i don't mind that though i mean it's kind of going against the grain a little bit and you know obviously belichick has not been afraid to do that in the 20 years he's been in new england um you know just to back with with dugger or duger um he doesn't have to be he doesn't have to come in and be that, you know, top pick right away on the football field. You know, they have plenty of depth. And even if Chung, let's say Chung, you know, doesn't say something happens with him from the, you talk about the cocaine piece and things like that. They have depth of that position. They signed Adrian Phillips from the Chargers. You know, Phillips can be someone, you know, that again, special teams, but he can go maybe fill that Chung role in the short term. They still have Terrence Brooks. Um, you know, they did trade Duran, uh, Duran Harmon, you know, but, you know, you bring this kid in here, you know, it doesn't really fit a need right now, but Belichick, I think, and Casario think of long-term. So, and what's, what's wrong with just bringing in good football players, you, you know, and, and just, I think it's how the league's trending. Baseball's trending the same way. I just I think leagues are adapting to, you know, just how these people are athletes now, you know what I mean? Versus just, Hey, I'm a linebacker and that's all I do. Yeah, positionless positionless sports. That's kind of where almost every major sport is going. I mean, you look at baseball, you have pitchers becoming less about starters, middle relievers, closers, and they're just kind of throwing the innings when it matters. In basketball, you're having it, – it's almost like one through five are just your best five players, and they figure it out. And in football, this year especially, I think there, there was four or five occasions where – there was a guy in, in, you know, if you looked him up online, it, he was listed as a receiver, but he was drafted as a running back or vice versa. And the same thing on defense. Guy was a safety. They were announced him as a linebacker. Guy was a DN. They, they announced him as a linebacker. So positionless football, it's, you know, the thing of the future, and it, it's here now. So I guess it's a thing of the present. The present is now. Or the future is, the present is the now. Future is now. Uh, what about the uh, tight ends? that they drafted do we think either one of these guys taken in the fourth round are going to be able to come in and contribute i mean we know they were so brutally thin there last year um lacoste and Izzo are both back again so i, I would imagine these guys will be competing with them but i don't know what yeah what, I, what are our thoughts on the tight ends because that was really I, the I, only I position the... of need that i think that they drafted tried to draft somebody who could come yeah. in and contribute right away Right, and I think they made that known when they took two back-to-back, that they were really trying to 
make sure that they solidify that position. But out of the two, the one that I'm more excited about is Dalton Keene. The, the Love it. Pretty, Love the pretty much the H-back from Virginia Tech. This kid is very versatile. There we go. He said it again. Uh, if you noticed his highlights, he wore 29, and that's because he was a running back in high school, and he initially was a running back as he came to Virginia Tech. But then, you know, they moved him around. They throw screens to him. They, they give him the ball from time to time. They let him play the H-back position, play tight end. He's not – He's not big, but he's also not tiny, so he will be able to help blocking, and apparently he's pretty good on that front. Uh, just being able to use a guy like that, I hate to make the comparison because it's always used for a guy who can do a lot in the tight end position, but he really can bring you a little of that Aaron Hernandez type of feel and type of play for the Patriots. Yeah, I was going to say, Matt, that this uh, like is reminiscent of the 2010 draft, and obviously that's when the Pats got Gronk and Hernandez and they were such a dynamic duo. So it's not fair to give, you know, Keen and Asiasi that like designation now, but this is how it, it feels. They got a guy like Keen who's versatile, can line up all over the formation. Um, wasn't really utilized at Virginia tech from everything that I've read. They feel like the, the best is yet to come with him. You know, the, the Patriots might be able to unlock a little bit of his potential. Uh, and then the kid from UCLA feels more like a guy, down the middle or, you know, down the seam across the middle type, of you know, physical pass catcher. Um, so I think they're, it's similar to when they took Gronk and Hernandez. Now that may not be as good as the two of them were, um, but that just, that's how it feels. Yeah. And they've been the thing from both of them. Uh, they're both, I guess, really good blockers, especially Asiasi. Asiasi, I guess, is a very nasty blocker and you know, the Patriots love that. Well, blocking tight end you know, talk that that doesn't go over on the syndicate. You know that. that that's that's not very sexy. true. It's still it it's still part of the game, you know. But um, you know what I thought was funny was Keen was more of the Aaron Hernandez role, but I think Asiasi looks like a Hawaiian Aaron Hernandez. <laughs> yep. Agree I hope that. I hope I really hope he doesn't come with any of the baggage, obviously. Yeah. But the kid does kind of look like. Yeah, him. I was just gonna say I hope those comparisons are only on the field. Oh, on the field but, only. Yep, yep. We do, we're not so, saying that they drafted a professional wrestler and a gangster. They drafted guys reminiscent to the style on the field, just on the field stuff. Um, to go with back, um, I think Nick or Belichick both have said it. Um, King's going to be playing all over the field, so it's he's he's going to be versatile on the field. <clears throat> so he might be that halfback where how they, like, use Orlando Roberts as that fullback, maybe, or he's going to go out and be that tight end. So Keen has some strong strong potential, and Asiazi was really was decent at US, UCLA, um, and he, both tight ends were a really good uh, choice. I, um, I, I love the pick. Of Keen, and I, I'm going to tell you that I think that it's probably their best pick in the draft outside of the linebacker from Michigan. Um, you know, he's the definition of a Swiss Army knife, and you guys have been saying that he plays all over the gridiron. And just think of the player that you're getting. You know, this is a kid who long hair, mustache, just like comparison to to George Kittle models his game off George Kittle. If the Patriots found the next George Kittle, like kudos to Bill, kudos to Nick and just their scouting. Cause again, this is a player that wasn't on the radar for 
for people to talk about. You know, ESPN wasn't telling us that we need to like this player, you know, for us to go and put our eyeballs on the TV. But, you know, there is a lot of upside with 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 um, with Keen. You know, looks like he's got a ton of confidence. He, his girlfriend is an absolute smoke show. If you go onto his Twitter and you see her, um, you know, this is just a this is just a player that you know there is just a ton. There's <laughs> just a ton of upside. Yeah, what's it, what's his Twitter you know, handle? Again, um that's that pre-money ball talk there you know like there is just a ton of upside here i really like the pick and honestly you know and i'll give and i I assume we're going to give our overall like patriot grade scores for the entire draft but you know i think that this is a b plus pick i I just i really 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 like this player Uh, you know just i think they had a home run here and 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 this is the first player that they ever gave up a future draft pick for to acquire him in the 20 years that Belichick has, you know, run this team. And now the 80 plus trades that he's made, this is the first trade that he traded a future draft pick with other picks to go up and get this kid. Wow. They clearly think he's special. I, I just, I think it's a great pick. Wow, I, I, I agree with you on that one, Chris. Um, Keen was a good pick for me though. My steal what was, uh, Anfrey Jennings from Alabama, a third round pick. Um, I, we lost Van Noy, the Patriots lost Van Noy this season, and I think they're going to move Jennings to that linebacker role. Um, if people read my article, uh, my, my mock drafts, which according to our group chat, no one did. So thank you. I had to read it, James. Um, I edited it. I actually, yeah. Okay. I also posted it a million times for you. So I read that. I I read it too. I think that that dig goes to the boss. Yeah. Yeah, and he, but I thought all you had he, were Notre Dame players in there. No, you I had other players. The New England Fighting Irish. After you get down the first two picks, Amphrey Jennings was my third selection, and the Patriots selected him third. So I called it. But I like him a lot. I he's he's gonna do. He might be one of the few rookies actually going to be playing on the main defense. So, so he's going to be someone to watch out for. Well, they do have quite a few holes at the linebacker spot with all the defections they had this year. But, you know, I always have a problem when they start making comps. You know, like you said, Keen was uh, – I'm sorry, was it Ke- – Keen was a comp to Kittles. Uh, Anthony well, was a Keen, comp to Van well, Noy. I heard Uche, they comped Brewski. I mean, you know, these are all pro players that we're talking about. And we're we're comping a guy taken into the fourth round to an to a current All Pro. Well, and and that and that's obviously it's a good point because you want these players and these guys to kind of you know develop into who their own identity and their own kind of player. I mean, at the beginning of the NFL draft, I mean, how many in the first like five picks they're calling Chase Young a Hall of Famer? That the guy hasn't even played a down in the NFL, you know, and they're already in putting him in at can, you know. So I, you know I get that, but you know from from a keen standpoint. He, you know, he straight out said, this is how I model my game. I model it after George Kittle. George Kittle was a late round pick. He was a fifth round pick. You know, he made himself into what he is right now. You know, I think Keen, same thing. Super confident, fourth round pick. You know, he's coming to one of the the better situations from a coaching perspective in the league. Unfortunately, maybe a year too late because you know he doesn't have the luxury of Brady, but that also could be that could be a blessing here. So, um, to to jump into to Jennings, I like the pick. 
you know, you're getting a player that, you know, clearly he went to, you know, he played under Saban, you know, Saban and Belichick there, you know, BFFs from all the way from way back when. Um, and, and to James point, yeah, he could potentially start right off, you know, right off the rip. He, you know, he, he can, you know, from what I was reading, they're going to try to, you know, work him into both linebacker positions. He can be on the edge rush. I mean, I, they had so many holes on defense and they went and addressed that right away to some people's, you know, displeasure in this, on this podcast. But, um, you know, it was, it was a need that they had. There's and, point and this fingers, is, Chris, there's point fingers. Well, I, well, I would, if I could see it right now, um, but, <laughs> yeah. uh, but no, I, I just, it, it's a quality pick. It's a quality pick. You know, he's got injury history in the past, but that just also seems to be in Belichick's wheelhouse. So it's a good player. It's a great pick. Before I get on to the kicker, uh, we haven't heard from Derek in a while. Derek, do you have any thoughts uh, along the lines of what we've been talking about? Yeah, I, I think so. Before the draft started, uh, I did like one pre-draft article, basically just looking at position because, like I said earlier, I think it's just a waste of time to try and predict what Belichick's going to do because he always, you know, zigs when you think he's going to zag. So I just wanted them to address. Uh, certain positions and whoever they pick we'll we'll see how it turns out and I think they address positions that they need especially you know the the number one thing I wanted them to do was get uh, you know some guy who could either play on the edge uh, and pass the ru- and rush the passer or just be an outside linebacker because they lost both Van Noy and Collins um, so with Uche and Jennings they did just that um, so I you know happy with that they addressed tight end which they need tight end um, you know I wanted them to draft the center uh, but then the news of David Andrews getting cleared you know came out before the draft so that kind of that helps that need right there um, so obviously it's you kind of got to wait and see with how these guys are going to perform on the field but in terms of drafting based on need I think they they did a great job so yeah and if I could real quick uh, what I also liked about Keen was he was a captain of their offense and I think anytime you can take a captain you're getting somebody with some leadership like I said, he, he wasn't brought in to be a stud tight end, so he had to work his way into a new position, put on weight, learn a new skill set. It just seems like a, a slam dunk uh, in terms of the, the what Belichick looks for. So I liked him a lot. And the defensive players that they got, they all – all their highlights, they just look like nasty, vicious defensive players. Hard hitters, fast, fast, fast pace. Uche had one. They, they, there was a clip uh, I think that we actually posted on our Twitter feed. Uh, it had showed two or three of his bull rushes, and this kid looked nasty. Just got low and pushed the tackle all the way back to, into into the pocket and took down the quarterback. I just liked that they clearly had a game plan. They wanted hard nosed, vicious, ferocious defensive players, and I think all three of them can bring that to the table. Agree. I saw some of Duggar's um through Twitter. I saw some of Duggar hits, and they were brutal. They were like Ed Ed Reed style hits, and so it's it's. I was upset during most of the draft days, but after giving it a day or to actually look at it, they they filled up what they needed. Uh, what they were missing. Sort of. Right. So, so another need. Oh, go ahead, Derek. I was just saying that the past two seasons, we've especially last season, you know, you saw this defense, one of the oldest in the league. They've just, they've been slow 
um, and not athletic. And, you know, athletic offenses, they get burnt when they get spread out and they're just not, they can't keep up with some of these fast paced offenses. So I think they had to get younger, they get faster and more athletic. And I think this draft did that. So another position of need was kicker. And they drafted one in the fifth round, Justin Rohrwasser. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Uh, from I believe so. that was a good, that was a pretty good job, Bill. <laughs> that was a really good job. I, I went phonetic. Uh, from Marshall, another relatively small school, not a D2 school. Um, also kicked at URI uh, before transferring mm-hmm. to Marshall. Um, I know everybody wanted the Patriots to take uh, Rodrigo Blankenship out of uh, Georgia, who I think ended up going undrafted, if I'm not mistaken. He was undrafted yes. to the Colts. Do people like him as a player, or they just like that he wears Rex specs? I think it, I think it was the glasses. Yeah, I'm going to have to go with that. Well, we don't need we don't need the kid from uh, Little Giants kicking field goals for the Patriots. <laughs> so one thing I saw today about Rowasa, which gives me some concern, is, I don't know if you guys have heard this, but apparently he has some type of white supremacist <clears throat> tattoo on his arm. And has a few of them, and he's you know he's writing it off to well I was young and stupid when I got those so, but uh, I, I see that uh, being a potential red flag and a lot of the guys that the Patriots drafted seem to have some kind of off the field issues suspensions while they were in college, which which isn't exactly the Patriot way, so I don't know if this is a sign that uh, maybe with um, you know with the state that we're in and they couldn't do face to face meetings and probably do as much due diligence as they have in the past with some of these players, maybe those kind of things, you know, ended up cropping up on them with some of these picks. Yeah, as far as that kicker, uh, how, how did you say it, Bill? I, I'm not even going to try. Roarwasser? Roarwasser? Yeah, I mean, I didn't I, – I was, you know, from watching his highlights, I thought he was a good pick. He seemed like a very good kicker. And then that news came out, and it is a little bit concerning – uh, I don't know too much of the history of the tattoos and obviously what he's what he's about, but if that's the type of thing he's about, I mean, they, how can they keep a guy like that in today's in today's you know media and today in the way everyone's labeled about stuff? It, it would suck to have to drop your fifth round pick. Never mind, how's he going to fit in the locker room? Oh, of course, yeah. I mean, I don't think many people like white supremacists. I mean, I could be wrong, but I personally don't, and I don't think any of you guys do. <laughs> So, uh, I mean, if he was my teammate, it would be, like you said, Bill, it would be tough to hang out with him. All right, any more um, thoughts on the individual players that they drafted or some of the unsigned free agents that they brought in afterwards? Because uh, I want to move, I wanna move on to the draft in general, but if there's any more thoughts on, on any of the individual players. Every time that we mention this kid's name, I think of Rookie of the Year, like, Rowan Beggar and Rogenhauser and all those like nicknames that the, that the manager <laughs> called him. Like the second that they, that they drafted him, that's like the immediate, like where my mind went automatically. And I could just picture Zolak on the radio trying to like get this kid's name. I, I, I look forward to that. Um, I think in regards to this tattoo thing, you know, it, there's not much to talk about with the players. So obviously the media is honing in um, on, on the tattoo piece. I think, you know, from in my standpoint, again, I'm not saying I'm advocating white supremacy and all this other stuff, but, you know, the kid said that he got random tattoos. He liked the way that it looked, didn't know what it stood for. He's going to get it covered up. He's going to get it covered up. Let him get it covered up and then let him focus on football. 
you know, we don't need to make something into a big deal that doesn't need to be made into a big deal. You know, people like um, Jamel Hill, former from used to be with ESPN. She's on Twitter making this a big deal. Like, just just stop. You know what I mean? Like, you know, just stop with that narrative. You know, like where was where were these people making a big deal about his tattoos when he was kicking footballs in the NCAA? No one gave any sort of, you know, crap about when this kid was kicking, you know, in, in the college. But now because he's a pro and he's on the Patriots, it's a big deal because of the tattoos. Let him get it covered up if he says he's going to do that. Now, if he doesn't, and then there's some other information that comes out about him, then yeah, you know what? I think you need to act accordingly. You know what I mean? And, and then kind of move from there. Well, you know, I wasn't, That's a good point, I wasn't Chris. bringing it up because, you know, we were making a big point of it. I'm more concerned no, with how no, it's going to go I'm... over in the locker room. That 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 be that. my concern is how how will he be received by the players? Um, you, you mentioned Jamel Hill. I hadn't seen anything from her, but I have already seen a comment that you know he can have a tattoo like that and everybody just blows it off. But yet Colin Kaepernick is still out of a job. You know, so those comparisons are already out there. Do you think it would be that big of a deal if he was drafted by the Kansas City Chiefs or the Seattle no, because... Seahawks or anyone else other than the Patriots? No, because the Chiefs have a have a history of having players with you know questionable backgrounds as it is. But I think it, yeah, they, you know, if this kid, they, the Chiefs the Chiefs drafted a kid who socked his quarterback this year. Yeah. You know, if if this kid was you know drafted by like the Carolina Panthers, this is not going to be a story. It's a story because he's playing in New England. It's a story because the city of Boston has a history of racism and sports and, you know, with, you can only go back to the Celtics piece. And I don't want to go down that road, obviously for the show, but that's why it's a big deal up here. And because the Patriots are the Patriots, you know, they win and people hate the Patriots for winning. People hate Belichick. They hate Brady. They just, you know, so again, in my opinion, let him get it covered up. That's what he says he's going to do and let him move on. And, and then we go from there. All right. Let us never speak of it again. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Overall on the draft, um, um, unless anybody has some thoughts on any other players, going once. Well, the restricted free agents, um, Patriots actually, while we we're talking, just signed uh, Jake Burt, tight end from Boston College. Um, why that's a big deal is because they're giving him eighty thousand guaranteed. That's the largest guarantee for an undrafted tight end. That's a lot for a guy in the practice squad. Yeah. Yeah. So they're either he could maybe be a long snapper because they were in the need for that, but that's something to look up. Um, Nick Coe, he was also on my uh, my draft board. I can see him staying on the team, on the main squad, and move him into uh, interior defensive lineman. Um. The Patriots did sign two quarterbacks. Um, Jamar Smith from Louisiana Tech. The dude can throw. He's just not that solid accurate. Or Brian, uh, can't pronounce his last name. Everybody else wants to try. From uh, Michigan. Yeah, from Michigan State. He had a solid year um, in, I think, 17 for Michigan State. But then it was mediocre, but that team was fully mediocre. So he could be 
the potential third stringer, but yeah. So they that's all I have. So to they say. didn't draft a quarterback at all, and there were you know this no. there were still guys up there at twenty three. Uh, was it Jordan Love was still on the board at twenty three before the yeah, Packers sure. took him in a, a totally unfathomable Shocking. pick for the Packers, but we'll let a Packers uh, podcast worry about that one. Um, do you think their lack of drafting a quarterback was more that Stidham is their guy, or do you think they just didn't like anybody that was left as much as they like Stidham? I think do you think Stidham's the guy? I think Belichick has they're going to give him the chance to to win the job and succeed in New England, and they had chance after chance after chance to bring in another quarterback. They didn't. Uh, there was a report though that they had three players that they were that was on their list. It was Duggar, it was Uche, and then they wouldn't name the third. And around the time that they were um, highlighting that part of the draft, that's when Jalen Hurts was drafted. So maybe they were keen on somebody and they missed out on him. I don't know, but I think that it's Stidham season here in New England. Yeah, I think it's a little bit of of both. I think Belichick is they you know he he likes Stidham. They want to give him a chance. But Belichick also said, they might have been on a you know conference call after the draft yesterday, that you know they were looking at quarterbacks. It just didn't line up. I think where they were picking, I think they had guys that maybe they didn't expect to be there, or that they just liked better than some of the quarterbacks, and you know they took them over you know any quarterbacks that they liked. So I mean I think they're they're willing to give Stidham a chance. They like him. I have no problem with that. I mean, I don't see much of a difference between drafting a guy, you know, when, like Jake Fromm in the fourth or fifth round, um, when they took Stidham in the fourth round. I mean, they're the same guy. None of them have, neither of them have NFL experience. So if you like Stidham and give the guy a chance um, and let him compete uh, in training camp with Hoyer and some of these other undrafted guys and see what happens. Yeah. I- yeah, not to mention they let my man Jameis Winston sign with the New Orleans Saints today. So there goes that, Belichick. It was only a one-year deal, Matt, so your hope isn't gone completely. Oh, oh, oh. Get ready, boys, 2021. If Stid the Kid doesn't pan out, it might be Winston in 21. Oh, oh, oh baby. I hope not. Um, you know, oh, you, I, I you don't that. say that. You don't say that. I, I think that. he just did. They, You'll say that. You know, there was unless you were going to be able to get the first overall pick and get Joe Burrow, or you were going to go up in and trade for Tua. To me, there really was no other quarterback that you could have drafted in this draft that could have started right now for the Patriots. There were the so-called experts that were saying that if Jarrett Stidham was in this draft this year, he'd be arguably one of the top five quarterbacks to go in the draft. So we're probably looking at now a kid who went in the fourth round last year that would have been at probably worst a mid-second round pick this year. You're getting Stidham, who has a full year now in the Patriots system. And I understand he threw a pick in like his second pass in the NFL, but he's got a full year. He's got the support of Belichick. He's got the support of the front office, and he's got the support of the players in the locker room. Give him an opportunity. You know, like, if they didn't think he was the guy, they would have went out and got a player. The cap can be moved around. There's players, like, if you don't think that Stidham can be the guy and you're up against the cap, send Sanu on his way. His $6.5 million doesn't count. Like, there's no penalties. 
wave him, move on, take that money. And now you can bring in, maybe you bring in a, a Winston or you bring in a Cam Newton, or you make the trade and try to restructure a contract to get Dalton, or, you know, you go a little outside the box. I think the Patriots want to see really what they have in Stidham. And if all else fails, you have a hundred plus million dollars next season to go in a free agency. Oh, and by the way, Trevor Lawrence and, and Fields from Ohio State are going to be in the draft. Not the Patriots' MO, but, I mean, if you have the opportunity to get one of those two kids as well, let's do it. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. I mean, it, it, when you really think about it, it's, it works long-term and short-term. Because in the short-term, if he, if he succeeds, they win. If they lose, like you said, Chris, Trevor Lawrence and Justin Fields are sitting right there uh, in next year's draft. So I guess my question would be is, and this is kind of, you know, elephant in the room, at least for us, James is not happy that Jarrett Stidham is going to be the quarterback. So I guess my question I'm going to pose to you, James, is this. If Stidham isn't your guy, who should be the quarterback of the New England Patriots and why? Put me on the spot. I like it. Okay. Well, like the Bengals, you had almost like a year to prepare for this. So, James Collard is on the <laughs> clock. And speaking of which, why does it take okay. them when they've had three months to prepare and it took them 15 minutes to announce the pick? Why? I agree. I completely agree. They already told Burrow that he was their guy. The owner contacted Burrow the day before, and by 4 p.m. on draft day, there was a report that they had already had their first conversation as him being the franchise quarterback, and yet they let it go down to zero before they made their selection. And this was after... Who's taking a shower? Burrow has the playbook. This this was after <laughs> has the This was after ESPN had to do like 15 minutes of yep. coronavirus stuff and while we're living in these difficult times, which just bummed me out so much because I was so I so wanted to get away from all of that and just and just immerse myself into the draft and then they had to do all this crap before it and have you know, what's his name sing the national anthem? I mean, when do you sing the national anthem? before a draft. But anyway, I'm going off the rails. James, I just bought you some time, so who's your quarterback and why? My quarterback is, and it sickens me to even say this, it's going to be Brian Hoyer. Oh, come on! What, I, yeah. Yes, that one throw, if they were up by 14 points before that touchdown, like, Brian Hoyer hasn't won a game as a starter in like two years. Then, then that gives the easy access for the Patriots to get Trevor Lawrence. And okay, so if the Patriots, okay, let's just say the Patriots go three and thirteen or whatever. As much as we want them to draft Lawrence or Fields, you know that Belichick is going to trade out of that pick and get the Godfather of all offers and get a million more draft picks. Yes, but like. I, I just I have a hard time wanting to honestly believe that you think that Brian Hoyer is the best option for the New England Patriots coming into the season. Yes, because he actually had. If they're going to run the same playbook, then Hoyer knows it. Hoyer got cut last year, James, in in training camp because Stidham beat him out for the job. So okay, exactly. Stidham so Stidham. Okay, so Stidham. They thought so highly of Stidham, a fourth-round pick, based off of what they saw in practice and in the preseason, that they were able to waive Hoyer, who's a stiff. He signs with the Colts. 
He then in turn gets waived after they sign another stiff in Philip Rivers. And now, and now we're going to bring him in. He's, he's making nothing for money. And we think that Brian Hoyer is going to lead this offense and lead this Patriots team. For this Neither season. of them are going to be able to lead this team. This team is offensively. I hope I'm proven wrong that Stidham is good, but Stidham is a backup. If they honestly trusted Stidham, they should have left him in that game to finish off the game. If you think that that Jarrett Stidham is not ready to be the quarterback of the Patriots, and that that Bill Belichick is going to go with Brian Hoyer as the starter, then they would have drafted a quarterback in this draft. Yeah. I, I just, I find it really hard to believe that they would have invested the draft pick. And, and, and to be honest with you, it really doesn't matter, I think, at this point with the Patriots, whether they draft someone in the first or in the seventh round, because I feel like they value those picks and those players, like, all the same. It just, it just kind of feels like what the Patriots do. But, like, a fourth-round pick is a pretty substantial pick for the Patriots. You invested in Stidham. He gets a full year in the system. You bring in Hoyer. Hoyer's there to be the insurance plan. And that's where he should be. He should be holding the clipboard. He should be patting him on, on, on the shoulder pads or tapping him on the ass when he comes back and says, hey, nice job for throwing the touchdown. Like, Brian Hoyer should only be on the field during pregame warmups. Like, if anybody who's a Patriots fan thinks that Brian Hoyer is going to be the guy that's going to take the Patriots – to a nine and seven record this season, you're, it's just not going to happen. That's not. I don't this think season. he's going to be a nine and seven. Brian Hoyer's under the center is going to be three and oh whatever, maybe three wins. I don't even think that happens. Miami got really good. They got some decent talent, so there ain't no guarantee wins on the Patriots' schedule. I just don't. Everyone has like poked the baskets and Stidham. Stidham has improved nothing. So you bring in competition. Competition makes the, the leader, makes the quarterback. So you're going to have his only competition as Brian Hoyer. So that, that he already beat him. So why should he give, uh, go to that next, uh, next gear if he already beat him for the backup job? So, James, you say, you say everybody's know. going with Stidham. Do you think everybody is really high on Stidham, or are we just accepting the fact that it's going to be his job? I mean, I don't think I don't think anybody's projecting him to be the next Brady or even an All-Pro player. But I think we've we've come to accept the fact that Brady's gone, and Stidham has the job now, for better or for worse. And there was whispers at the end of the year uh, around Foxborough. That they that the scouts believe that Jared Sidham was a year away from being a real good NFL player, so they're gonna have to do it a year early. But still, I mean, they're high on him in Foxborough, so maybe it's time we should be too. I'm not saying that that Jared Sidham is the next Tom Brady because there's never going to be the next Tom Brady. We just need someone who can be, you know, that next guy that can make this Patriots team a competitive football team. You know, like. Honestly, if Stidham, if if Stidham led them to say ten wins this season, and I think that's on the high end, I'm gonna take that. I just, I just, I have a really hard time believing that Bill Belichick 
will assemble a team that's going to win three games or four games next season. I, I just think that there's a pride factor. I think that there's a lot riding on, on, on a legacy because I know Brady saying he doesn't focus on a legacy, which I think is crap, but Belichick is focused on a legacy. He's chasing Shula. I think that means something to him. I think a lot of people have said it means something to him. You know, if I had my way, would it be Stidham? No. Would I have maybe potentially kept Brady? I think it's weird, and I don't I don't like the fact that Brady's going to finish his career elsewhere, but I also don't like the fact that you're going to invest $25 plus million plus of guaranteed dollars into a 42, 43-year-old quarterback. You know, I, I'm not a Cam Newton guy, so, you know, I, I think Stidham is your best option. He's cheap, and it allows the Patriots to take a look at him this year. You win nine games, you win 10 games, great. If they don't win, you have a hundred plus million dollars in salary cap. You can make a trade. Maybe there's a quarterback that doesn't want to be somewhere anymore, or hopefully not. You're not in the top five, and you get one of those two guys. But Brian Hoyer, I I want no part of Hoyer starting for the Patriots unless Stidham is hurt. In our last fire the muskets, I asked all of you guys what you thought the Patriots record was going to be next year. This was after Brady left. We went around and we gave all of our projections. I think most of you guys were in the 9 and 10 win category. Am I hearing a backing off of that now? Don't everybody jump in at once. No, I'm still there. I still no, I I I I am not exactly sure what number I gave out, but I'm I I'm, I'm going to stick to it because I think it's I think 9 10 wins is definitely realistic. I mean, if they wanted 13 14 wins, they should have signed Jameis. <laughs> If you want 13, 14 picks every four games, yeah. I don't know. The Saints got the Saints got a good one. Yeah, they got a but great you know, third string quarterback. You know what though? No, he's a second string because Taysom Hill's <laughs> not a real quarterback. But they you know what gave, though? I, they just I, gave Taysom Hill twenty one million dollars in a two year deal. Sixteen of that is guaranteed. Yeah, to do what Dalton Keene's gonna do for us. Ah. Play a bunch of different positions. Play the Joker. But guess what? I also feel vindicated in my reasoning because the, arguably the second best coach of this era took a shot on a guy because he has the arm talent and he wants to see what he could do in molding him. I feel vindicated in my reasonings. It didn't work out the way I wanted it to, but I still feel vindicated. Back up off Winston, me, guys. I think Winston's just hoping that he can get Teddy Bridgewater and get an opportunity to kind of show his worth and just get an amazing contract like, like Bridgewater did in, in Carolina. Yeah, he'll get it with New England next year, 2021. Let's go, boys. All right, I keep seeing Derek uh, muting and unmuting his thing, so I think he has something he wants to say and can't <laughs> I can't jump in. So, Derek, go. Sorry, Derek. Yeah, I was just going to get back to your question, Bill. I still think the Pats, I'd see them a 500 team this year. I think that's I think that's what I had them at. Just because, kind of like Chris said, I don't see a Bill Belichick coach team you know, winning three or four games. I think they're going to build this team, and based on how they drafted, they're going to build this team like they did in, you know, 2001 when Brady came in, and it's you have a strong athletic defense um, and have your quarterback, young quarterback, just come in and not screw things up. You know, manage the game, make a couple plays when you need to, try and get some turnovers, and, you know, win games 20 to 17 or 21 to 20 low scoring games. That's how I think they're going to approach it this year. I don't know if they have enough talent to win, uh, you know, nine, 10 games and get in the playoffs, but I don't see them being a, you know, a bottom of the, the league team. You know, one of the point I wanted to bring up too was the number of players they drafted last year that really didn't contribute at all, that is still around. And I, and I, and I see the similarity 
for the drafts that they had this year is they're not necessarily looking for those guys to contribute right away. And I, and I think it's the same thing from the guys that were drafted last year. This is their year now that they're going to contribute. Um, the Jawan Williams, the Chase Winovich, the Damian Harris, the Udney Kajus, these are all guys that we were saying these same things about them last year, and they rarely got on the field. So, Brian Myers, don't forget that. If it's gonna, it's Stidham season. That's that's gonna be the title of this season. Stidham season. Stidham season. For and, better or for worse. Yeah, and Stidham. S Z N. Yeah, Stidham and Myers had a good chemistry in uh, uh, preseason. So he Myers could be a offensive standout. I'm just. I'm not sold on Stidham. I hope I'm proven wrong. I'm just not so, sold uh, sold on him. And no, it, it, James, and I think it's okay to say that. You know, all all kidding aside, I think it's okay to say that you're not comfortable with with Stidham. I just to say that you want to go with Hoyer. I I just think that by doing that, you're just you're you're. What's the point of having Stidham? You know, you drafted him because you had an idea that maybe potentially that Tom Brady wasn't going to come back. You know, if if they believed, if they didn't believe in Stidham, they would have done something more over the course of the calendar year. I, I mean, obviously, you know, we only are privy to what the media tells us. You have to think that Bill Belichick, Nick Casario, the Crafts, they had to have some sort of inclination that just maybe Tom Brady wasn't going to come back. And that was probably pretty evident when he didn't, when the franchise tag was off the table, he starts selling his house and everything else. So you had opportunity over the last year to go out and get the next potential guy. I just, I feel like that if you, if you go and ride and die with, with Hoyer and then bring, bring Stidham in, like you're just, for lack of better terms, you just retarded his, his whole, his whole progression and his development as, as a player in the NFL. And, and maybe, and maybe potentially trade value. Yeah, I think it it defeats like the whole reasoning. I think they moved on from Brady was you know he was getting old, so why would you you know move on from the greatest of all time and bring in another quarterback in his late thirties to you know and have him start when he's significantly worse, you know not an NFL caliber starting quarterback. He is he is here to be the the veteran presence because they've always had some type of veteran um you know on the on the roster as a quarterback you know in Brady's early years after they moved on from Bledsoe Damon Heward was around just to have that guy so it's not three you know three rookies or whatever three young guys uh, on the roster so Hoyer is there for his his veteran knowledge to pass that along to Stidham I think I'm not sold on Stidham too I have no idea what to expect but I'm willing to accept it and see what the kid has Thank you for saying Heward, though, because I was actually going to bring that up. He is that I think that's that's a perfect analogy. He is he's Heward. He's the guy to help mentor him. He's the guy that can help. He understands the system. He's going to understand the system the best out of anybody outside of Tom Brady. So, you know, he brings value in that perspective. He brings value on the practice field. Hell, he, you know, simulated quarterbacks, uh, you know, during practice as the Patriots were, you know, going through the playoffs, you know, in the year that they ended up beating the Rams. So there is value with Brian Hoyer, just not, you know, as a 16-game quarterback in the NFL anymore. You know, and don't forget, 
Stidham got a lot of the first reps in practice last year. No, I agree. And I could Okay, see James, go ahead. Maybe uh, to go back to the, the value point, <clears throat> maybe Stidham is a trade piece down the line. Because there, there's going to be free agents next year, and maybe one of his names is Aaron Rodgers. So, there's... You know... I think really quick because it's not on the agenda, but you know what? Why don't we just go ahead and, and go over it anyway? You know, it's far-fetched. You know, I, I, I wouldn't rule it out though with the cap space to have next year. And I, I really, I don't think people should really kind of naysay and poo-poo on the idea because Bill Belichick has brought in. I mean, you think of the players that Belichick has brought in during our time as a Patriots fan. Would you ever have thought that Randy Moss would have been a New England Patriot? Corey Dillon, you know, uh, Darrell Revis, like he brings in premium talent. If Aaron Rodgers isn't happy and they have salary cap space, wouldn't that be just the biggest middle finger to Tom Brady and say, hey, I'm going to go ahead and usher in, you know, an Aaron Rodgers who is who could maybe give you three more years of relevancy. He helps Bill Belichick get to where he wants to be. And just imagine if you won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers, you know, like what that does to the quote Brady legacy doesn't care about. Like, I, I just think that the storylines behind that, just, you know, the, the jerseys we talked about, how many of those will be sold in new England. And, and, and there's been a lot of people who have just been, you know, I don't want Aaron Rodgers. Like, how do you not want Aaron Rodgers? Like if that guy's available and you don't have the quarterback to lead your team, how could you not want Aaron Rodgers? But it's fantasy talk. It's, it's barroom talk. It's, talk to chat with your buddies while you're having a beer, you know, and some wings. But, you know, if there's a possibility, Belichick needs to do his due diligence and, and see if he can make that happen. Beer and wings. You want to talk about a, you want to talk about a quick middle finger. It would be if they let A-Rod rock 12 when he got here. AR 12 over TV 12 every day. That's OP. That'll be our shirt that month. <laughs> you lost me on that one, Matt. A-Rod rocking 12. Yeah, doesn't he wear 12? AR. A- I think he meant to say AR, A- not A-Rod. A-Rod, yeah. Aaron Rodgers. Oh. Yeah, I was thinking, yeah. I was yeah, thinking yeah. Uh, the ball player. Rodriguez. No, well, we always go to baseball. We always we go always to baseball. Red Sox we always bring it back to baseball. I was thinking Alex Rodriguez. I'm like, no. I'm thinking, I, I thought he wore no, it three. What's he talking about? And then 13 with the Yankees. No, no. Yeah. But, but can you imagine? Aaron Rodgers comes to New England, and they say, you know what? You can wear 12. No, I don't think Kraft will ever let that happen. No, and, probably not. But we can talk about. Do we think that Rogers and Belichick could coexist? I mean, Rogers he ran oh, McCarthy out of town. Absolutely not. And that's uh, you know from, you know from the people who like do this for a living, like that's you the material that you have, the stuff that you can talk about every day. You know, just the like that dynamic would be. Like, that's a miniseries that's going to be on ESPN if that happens. You know, that's what's going to be airing on Sunday nights five years from now when both players are out of, you know, when both a- – uh, a- I'm calling him A-Rod too. <laughs> um, Aaron Rodgers and Belichick aren't in the league anymore. Um, no, I don't I don't see them, co- you know, coinciding long term. But if you could get two years out of him – but, again, that that's, again, probably not going to happen. It's probably 95% not going to happen, and that's fine. You know, I just think that it's an interesting topic the second that – Love was drafted. It immediately, it was immediately on 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 Twitter that you know it was immediately in our group chat. <laughs> it, it was, and it was food. 
it was papooed on by the, you know, by the negative Nancy's of the group, but that's fine. You know, if that's what I think makes our, our, our dynamic so special, but I wouldn't rule out really anybody to the new England Patriots because I think Belichick has given us, you know, at least the history of, he's not afraid to bring anybody of any cachet into this, into this team. If Antonio Brown can make this team, anybody can make this team. Agreed. Simple. And I gotta tell you, you guys, and it is part. You guys blew up my iPad with all that chat that was going back and forth because I went, I went to bed after the Patriots drafted out, so I didn't see all that happen. <laughs> I got up in the morning and I had like 75 text messages, and it was all in our group chat. And my iPad locked up because all it took all my storage away with all the <laughs> gifts and stuff you guys drop in. I've said it before. I'll say it again. We should make that our Patreon stuff for our. Group chat, that is worth the price of admission right there. I, I, yeah, I completely agree. Half of the time, what we say, but yeah. It's uh, definitely not PG-13, though, most of the time. Oh, oh no. No, it's, no, and I think that's no. what makes it great. Hey, Venmo is always open. I might put that on my Twitter. <laughs> put that on my Twitter page. <laughs> so. All right, guys, so, you know, once again, we're way over, uh, way over an hour, and we still haven't gotten half of the stuff on the agenda. So real, real quick to close it out. I want to get all of your grades on the Patriots draft, and then I want to just get a quick uh, thought on whether you think we will actually have NFL games this year. So let's let's go around our virtual table that we have here. Uh, what do you give the Patriots grade for a draft? I'm going to go to Derek first because he's unmuted right now, and I think he wants to talk. <laughs> Yeah, I'd say, um, so again, I mentioned earlier that I just look at the draft based on positions and take the names out of it because admittedly, I don't, I follow college football a little bit, but I don't know a lot about a lot of these guys. So I think you look at the positions they drafted. Um, I give them a B plus. They drafted positions of need. Um, they traded up three times, which is unheard of for this team to do. Um, and as far as if they'll have a season or not, I do think we'll have football this year. I just don't think any of us will be in attendance. I can't imagine them opening up stadiums to, you know, 70,000 people again this year. I, I think we're all going to be watching the entire season from the couch, which I'd be fine with as long as there's something. James, your grade. I will um, take you back with Derek with that. Uh, they did cover up their needs. Um, so I'm going to give them a B plus. Um, and yes, there will be football and we won't be, there won't be people in the stands. We'll be, I, I'll still be watching at home, but so if you want to boo, you're just going to be booing in front of your television. But yeah, B plus and there will be football just with no fans. Matt, you're great. Uh, I did like, I mean, I, I, admittedly, I was pretty down on their draft to start, but after digging in and doing some research uh, on the names, because I wasn't really familiar with them at first, I had to give them, I gave them a C plus. Uh, they did well. They they grabbed some guys uh, that show a lot of talent and they, you know, they fill needs, like you guys said, but I'm still not really sold on, you know, after watching other teams draft. I think that a lot of teams did better. So if I'm going to do a sliding scale, there, I'm going to give them a C plus. That's harsh uh, coming from you. It is a little harsh coming from me, but you know what? 
Maybe it's a new. Hey, no, that's, I, that is back to back podcasts. Back to back podcasts there from you. Maybe I'm maybe maybe I'm changing. Huh? I think I this know. whole uh, shelter in place thing might be getting to him. It's getting to me. It is. But no, I want to be realistic with it. I'm going to go C plus. I think they did a an admirable job getting the needs, but I don't know exactly how. Uh, I just don't, I, I guess I don't know how I could give them a better grade when I didn't know the players going into it. And I, you know, want to know the players. But anyway, uh, C plus there. And if, will we have football? I do think we'll have football. Um, there was a rumor going around at the end of last week that multiple NHL teams were told to start preparing for an early May training camp. So if the NHL gets the ball rolling, the NBA gets the ball rolling, MLB gets a season, I have to imagine that the NFL will have one as well. Um, I, the, 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 I think the big uh, – we're, we're going to really see some, some, some him and hard is when college football returns. I just don't know how you can tell uh, – the University of Alabama, they can't have fans. I just feel like uh, it's going to be crazy to do that. And those stadiums, I mean, uh, I heard, I think it was the University of Nebraska. When they have a football game, that that stadium is the third largest city in Nebraska. So it's kind of hard to imagine having crowds that size uh, within a couple months. But I do think we'll have the sports being played. All right, Chris. So uh, I think the Patriots overall, they drafted for need. Typically we see Belichick basically kind of take like the best player available sometimes with their picks, but uh, you know, they, they drafted out of need. And I think that overall I would give them a B. Um, You know, I, um, I really like, I like the pick of the edge rusher out of Michigan in uh, Uchi or however you say his name. Um, I really like the pick of Dalton Keene. Um, I think that they got a steal with the, with the guard there. Um, I can't even pronounce his name. If I do it, I'll sound like James, the kid from Michigan. He's like six foot four, 360 pounds. Um, you know, they got a guy by the name of cash. Like they had a good draft. I, I think that they had, they had a really good draft. I think for Patriot fans to be down on the draft, um, you know, again, and I, and I, I said this to someone on Twitter earlier, and I said this earlier in the podcast, you know, ESPN conditions us on the people that we should, you know, think that our team should draft because it, it allows them to get us to put our eyeballs on the TV screen and watch their, their draft specials and everything else. There are hundreds of really good, talented football players that come to the draft every year that don't get the pub, that don't get the press, that are pro bowlers and that make major impacts to the team. I, I like what they did. I think that it was, it was an overall a B draft for me personally. Um, I like what they did from an undrafted standpoint. I really think that, you know, from, from, uh, from that perspective, you know, that's where your scouting really, I think comes into play. Cause you're getting guys now that, you know, that can potentially make huge impacts to your roster. How many guys have been undrafted that have made impacts in the Patriots? I mean, Malcolm Butler. I mean, I don't know if we can go any further than that. Uh, as for football this year. Yeah. I think that they're going to play football this year. And I actually posed a question to to bill and matt in one of our chats was you know what happens if this isn't a full 16 game season did bill belichick you know address free agency and did bill belichick address the draft based off of playing maybe a 10 game season you know did he approach it in a different perspective than some other teams did 
you know, did he go out and get players to fill a need in a ultimate short term versus spending all kinds of major free agent dollars, even though they didn't really have it? You know, um, I think they're going to play. They're not going to play in front of 50, 60,000 people. Um, I, I think that they need to play. You know, at some point, we got to start moving forward. You know, we got to start moving forward and, and start getting this world back to somewhat of some sort of normalcy in, in this new world that we're going to be living in. But I, I hope they play because as much as I like watching, you know, old time games and stuff like that, I, I don't know if I can do that for another six months. Yeah. And I meant to bring that question up, Chris, that that was a great question on, um, you know, is Belichick planning on either no football or limited football this year? Um, and, de- and I think he's definitely planning for 21. I think I said that before. That's that's what this draft looks to me is, you know, he's laying the groundwork for 21 and beyond, not so much for the players to come in this year and, and contribute right away. Um, no, and I, and, it, and I think if you look at their from the free agent standpoint and the players they brought in, you know, the the Danny Vitels and and um, you know guys of that that nature. Yeah, I mean, he didn't go out and get <clears throat> those typical household names. But I guess too on the flip side. Is he going to be able to do that now that Brady's not here anymore? Now that Gronk's not here anymore, are players going to be less inclined to want to come to New England because those two players left? You know what I mean? Did did Brady go ahead and say, you know what, kind of to the league, I wanted to move on because I too am tired of the Belichick shtick, but I'm not going to say it publicly. You know, so I think that what we're going to have to probably see from this Patriots team, again, my opinion is what they did in the draft this year. And it's going to be a real test of what they're going to be able to do with that money in free agency next year. Yeah. And I think that's what hurt them this year. As far as bringing in free agents is that lack of, of cap space. They're not going to be able to bring in any big money free agents because they just don't have the room. That, and just the uncertainty of Tom Brady, you know, just if you know you're a free agent and what what's the, the last common theme of the Patriots the last 20 years, Tom Brady. So if I'm a free agent, and I think that I have an opportunity and I'm, you know, maybe a guy that I, I always thought that should have came to New England was like a Dwight Franey. You know, he's a player that tormented the Patriots and the Colts, you know, come here to New England, maybe win one, move on, you know, and but like those type of players, are they inclined to come back now to New England because there isn't a Tom Brady here? I just think that, you know, this free agency period there was a lot that went into it and it really hinged because of Tom Brady leaving. And, and, you know, Belichick needed to utilize this draft to continue to get younger retool and and begin to focus on the beyond because we don't go much longer with Belichick. I I mean, we got to start resigning ourselves to the fact that Bill Belichick is not going to be with this team within the next five years. Well, you know, you say Brady's uncertainty. I I think it, it just comes down to the money for a lot of these players. Who was the wide receiver from Dallas? Was it Beasley? That ended up signing as a free agent with Buffalo last year. Cole Beasley, yep. So, you know, if, if if you can get a free agent to go to Buffalo, I think you can get a free agent to come to New England even if Brady isn't there, if you pay him enough. So, True, but that hasn't been the Patriot no. way. And obviously I don't want this to continue longer, but um, that's not really the Patriot way. But it, I guess it's possible. So I guess it's down to my grade. Um, I guess, you know, I'm kind of going along the lines with you guys. Is at first I, I think I would have given him maybe a C minus, but then the more you the more you read on some of these guys, which I do the same thing every year, is I watch the draft and I think next year I got to watch more college football so I can know these players better when the draft comes up. 
and then I watch a decent amount of college football, especially the SEC. Uh, you know, I like the SEC brand of football. And then when the draft comes up, you know, you get like five, six, maybe ten players into the draft. I haven't heard any of these guys, so I'm in I'm in a, a disadvantage there. So I'll, I'll give them a C plus, B minus. Um, I, I think one thing I would have liked to see them get was faster on defense. I don't know if they really achieved that in this draft. I don't think they picked up a lot of speed. I think that's something they desperately needed, especially with other teams like the Ravens and the Chiefs having so much speed on offense. But as with any draft, uh, you know, it takes really a good three years to really assess how a team did. So we will see that in the future. So I'm going to put it out to you guys if you have any closing thoughts before we wrap this all up. I, I do. Now, because we're, we're, we're thinking that it's going to be empty arenas. Do you think they're going to waste the time and space on the actual arenas, or are they going to use their practice fields to televise the games? I don't think their practice fields will have the capabilities for the cameras, you know, with all the different angles and everything. And... Yeah, I don't think that they can. I don't think that the practice fields can sustain, you know, uh, the locker rooms, the all the people involved in broadcasting the game. So they'd probably have to use uh, stadiums from the actual teams. That's kind of what the NHL was talking about last week, where they were talking about remote and smaller arenas, but they couldn't, they couldn't go that route because they need to accommodate all the people that are going to be there, other than just the players and coaches. Yeah, you need your medical facilities. You know, if a player gets hurt, you've got your uh... You know, your trainer's room right there. You've got your x-ray stuff. If you're out on the practice field, that's even that much further you have to go to access that stuff. So, And so I don't know if every team has their practice field right next to their stadium like the Patriots do. But that would be cool, though. I've always thought that would be cool as this pandemic dies down and the sports come back. You know, seeing games at uh, small arenas would be an interesting kind of twist to the professional sports, but I don't see it happening because of all the production and, like you said, Bill, the, the medical stuff and the medical staff, and there's just a lot that goes on to putting these games on TV. Yeah, and I think they're going to want to make it look as professional as possible because, you know, the NFL uh, the NFL gets a ton of money from the networks to broadcast, so if there's mm-hmm. any way that they can do that, they're definitely want to, going to keep that product on so they can get that money. Anybody else have any final thoughts? Yeah, I have one thing, and I wanted to bring it up earlier, but <clears throat> I just didn't see how I could work it in. I thought the um, we talked about the production and how the whole draft went. I thought the draft went really, really well. I really could have done without Trey Wingo's sad stories after every single guy was drafted. What was that about, man? Like that, that was, was crazy. It, like maybe like one or two guys, but it felt like every single guy. There was just there was a story that we had to tell, and it was about death and despair and drugs and like, dude, like, th- no, we don't need that. Like, we have a virus that is sweeping the world. <clears throat> this was the escape, and yet we talked about the virus, and then we talked about the, like those stories don't ultimately define the player. Now, some it does, some a hundred percent it does, but like, it doesn't need to be a filler for content. For every single guy. Like, I could have done without that. Hopefully ESPN, that was something that if they're asking for feedback and, 
you know, small, like little groups to kind of give them information on that. Like, and they say this because I thought that was unnecessary. That was just. I'm yeah, it was, li- it would be listed. It would be like uh, his, his, he has one, he has the 13th best 40 time at the position. Uh, he had 45 career tackles, uh, whatever. And his mother had drug addiction for 16 years. It was like, what is this? <laughs> it's Why are you doing I, this? Like I literally thought about at one point when I was watching the draft, like, we could totally do like a syndicate thing where we did a profile on each person and then talked about like their strengths and labels like a draft card and then put the sad story in there. Like it just, it just why do we need that? Like we don't need it for every single player. And if I, I was the kid, that that... my, if I, if I was one of the kids, I'd be like, what do you put my business out there for like that? Like, I don't need the whole world to know that like my mom struggled or I my you know my grandpa died of cancer last week. I just yeah, feel like give these kids like a chance to just be happy in their like, the best moment of their life. I saw one that they they did a yeah, breakdown I, on a player and then like you said they had his forty time and all that and then it was where's a necklace to honor his sister. Right. It's too much. But, it, it too much. Too much. You know Trey Wingo like I, dude does a great job. And again I know he's only doing his job. But come on, ESPN, like three days of sad stories. It just – I don't good. think Trey was able to get to Walmart to get any hair dye because he was looking old. Oh, his eyebrows were looking real gray. That and his, that and his nose. I almost swore there. We almost had to edit me out right there. <laughs> hey, hey, while, um, while we're on that topic, did you guys see Justin Herbert when he – is it Justin Herbert got drafted by the Chargers? Did I get his name wrong? The yeah. kid from Oregon. Mm-hmm. On the second night, he was interviewed by Maria Taylor, and I don't know if it was the lighting or what, but he looked like the kind of kid, like he gets lost in the woods overnight, and he was like walking through a pricker bush. He had all these scratches on his face, and it was like, where the hell has this guy been? Oh, that, that kid's a weird cat. So the one thing that I that I heard about him <clears throat> and, and read about him was he's like an introvert, and... You know, you're going to L.A., which is one of the biggest markets, you know, in the entire country, let alone the world. Um, you know, great. He's a great athlete, a lot of talent. But that kid just seems a little weird. I actually and I was talking to Matt about this. It's kind of like that movie Draft Day with um, Kevin Costner. That was. Uh, thank yeah. you. Thank you. He kind of reminded me of that quarterback Callahan that, you know, the Browns owner wanted to have all the talent in the world. But there was just like something about him. No one showed up to his birthday you, party? Yeah. Like, I'm telling you, there's going to be something about this kid within, like, three years. They're going to be like, ah, that's why he had all the scratches on his face. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you right now. Oh, we really go off the rails sometimes, don't we? We do. We do. We do. Hey, we do. All right, Derek and Matt. Derek and James, they don't experience that enough, <laughs> so you guys are embracing this in person. <laughs> Derek and Matt, any final thoughts? Uh, I- uh, nothing really. It was nice to finally have some semblance of sports with the the draft. Now it's over. We can all be sad again. Um, but looking forward to how this off season progresses and how it affects, you know, doing like a virtual mini camp or virtual camp and how this affects all these rookies and, you know, assimilating into the NFL. Just interested to see how it all plays out. Okay, Matt, you have the final word. I'll just make it quick. I, I, I every year I love seeing these kids get drafted, seeing just their their families, the hugs, 
you know, the tears, the joy. I just, you, you can't help but just really root for these kids, fulfilling their lifelong dream, making it into professional sports. And I'm just, I've always been a big fan of that. And I thought this year was great because everyone had to be home. You know, it's, there's always a lot of people in the auditorium and they have family and their agents there and everything. But being in their home atmosphere, having their family around them, I always love that moment. All right, cool. Guys, this was a lot of fun, as always, getting together to talk some sports and get away from uh, all the other stuff that has been bringing everybody down. So, And if you want more content, uh, check out our website, www.bostonsportssyndicate.com. I wrote these all down so I'd get them right. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at Boston Sports Syn, S-Y-N. And check us out on Facebook, at Boston Sports Syndicate. Guys, why don't you give everybody your uh, Twiddle handle or uh, any of your other social media contacts if you want to pick up some follows. I actually recently just changed my Twitter my I Twitter handle, so it is no longer. That. When I, when I tweeted yeah. you about James I had a number morning, in it. I was like, where's Maddie Westside? Maddie Westside is no more. It is now Maddie D. Rose. So Maddie D underscore Rose. All right, Derek, where can people find you? Uh, nice and simple, McVeigh thirty four. Keep it nice and professional. James, <clears throat> um, also want to first of all, I want to do a shout out on our YouTube channel. A lot of our, a lot of fun content is going to be coming out there. Uh, me and Chris are becoming mad scientists and coming out so with some cool content in the coming months. I also want to do um the medical shout out shirts they end on thursday thursday is the last day you can get them so order them soon buy merch all proceeds yeah buy merch all proceeds will be going to uh a charity of of our choosing um where you can get uh follow me message me at me is uh at james underscore bss on Twitter and at JC underscore BSS on Instagram. Message me. Tell me my takes are wrong. I love the feedback. All right, Chris, you're up. Yeah. So just uh, really quick, I just want to, uh, I just want to give um, James a little recognition because all kidding aside, he did a really good job on the, um, on the medical syndicate t-shirts and, and hooded sweatshirts. And uh, for the people who are going to listen um, and, and I, and I tweeted, um, I tweeted this out. It, it's not a money grab that we're trying to do the, the shirts and the sweatshirts. If you do buy one, the money is going to go to a good place where that is yet, obviously to be determined. Um, but no, James is a really good job when it comes to that branding piece. And when it comes to those logos. So um, kudos to you, James, I was, you did a really, really awesome job with that. Um, when it comes to wanting to find me on Twitter, very simple. This is my name. It's uh, Chris Henrik. Um, and then I also want to plug because I, you know, obviously it's our, uh, our other Twitter handle uh, that is uh, growing by the day. The, uh, it's Red Sox pod underscore BSS. That's uh, strictly Red Sox NLV content um, to uh, coincide off the uh, mothership, the main, uh, the main Twitter handle. Um so, and just, again, seriously, you know, buy those, buy those t-shirts, buy those hoodies, because the money's going to go to a good cause. And, um, you know, a lot of people cash in, you know, on times of need, and uh, we're not looking to do that. So, that's all, all right. 
Anybody wants to find me, uh, I'm on Twitter, at btravers underscore S-Y-N. And I'm up over 50-something followers, guys, so I'm feeling pretty cocky. So I might have to start actually tweeting now. Yeah, baby. (laughs) All right, Derek, James, Chris, Matt, thanks again. Thank you to everyone for listening, and we will check you out later. Stay safe, everybody. Later. Peace. Boston Sports Syndicate. Music for the Boston Sports Syndicate provided by IMCDM and Jay Kelly.